friends, my brothers and sisters, as far as this Thursday is concerned, I uh, greet you with Jesus' joy. I pray that uh, things are going well for you as far as today is concerned. Uh, as the psalmist said, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let's rejoice and be glad in it. Um, certainly delighted and elated to be able to share with you as far as uh, Bible study is concerned on today. And today's topic is deep. I mean, it is just absolutely deep. And so before I get started, I'm going to have a word of prayer. And we're going to be coming from 2 Peter chapter 2, uh, reading 5 verses, verses 18 through 22. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 18 through 22. And so let's, if we could, bow our heads for a word of prayer as we sense and seek what it is that the Lord will uh, have for us to share as far as this moment is concerned. God, we come and we thank you for the wonderful opportunity to be able to study your word and to uh, learn more about what you desire for us. We don't take for granted, oh God, this wonderful opportunity. So Lord, if you would, show yourself mighty and show yourself strong as far as this moment is concerned. Lord, we pray that right now in the name of your son, Jesus, that you, the master teacher, will show up. Teach us your precept. Let your word be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway, and we will bless your name for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, amen. Second Peter chapter 2, starting at verse 18. Um, just to give a brief overview as far as uh, this time is concerned, this is going to be talking about, again, false teachers and the lies that they come and that they share as far as the congregation is concerned. And we have to be very, very careful uh, because eventually one day uh, these false teachers are going to be judged by God, not only in the hereafter, but even in the here and now. And so I want to, uh, uh, with all uh, possibility, kind of share with you um, some of the things that we have to be very, very careful about uh, as these false teachers bring lies as far as the congregation is concerned. And this is a very deep teaching that the Apostle Peter is giving us as far as this time is concerned. And so let's look at 2 Peter chapter 2, starting at verse 18. It says, For when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, wow, I can just stop right there. For when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. While they promised them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome. The latter end is worse for them than the beginning. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them according to the true proverb, 
a dog returns to its own vomit and a pig having washed to her wallowing in the mire. Wow. Wow. So I'm going to have you to highlight some words. Then what I want to do is I want to, to read these verses to you in the message translation just for a little bit more clarity, but I'm going to do the teaching from the New King James Version of Scripture, okay? All right. So let's do the exegetical work first. Verse 18, for when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, I like that phrase, great swelling words of emptiness, circle the word emptiness. They allure through the lust of the flesh, highlight the phrase, the lust of the flesh, through lewdness, highlight through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. While they promise them liberty, underline the phrase, promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. Highlight the phrase, slaves of corruption. For by him, for by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. For if, after they have escaped the pollutions of the world, through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, if you would, underline the phrase, the pollutions of the world, through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Underline all of that. They are engaged, again entangled in them and overcome. The latter end is worse for them than the beginning. If you would highlight the phrase, the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. Verse 21, for it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. Highlight the phrase, than to have known it and turned from the holy commandment delivered to them. And then, if you would, underline all of verse 22. Underline all of verse 22. I, I, I want to, if I could, just read 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 18 through 22 in the uh, message translation, just for greater clarity, and then we're going to start our teaching. Okay, it reads, starting at verse 18, there are loud mouths full of hot air, but still they're dangerous. Men and women who have recently escaped from a deviant life are most susceptible to their brand of seduction. They promise these newcomers freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For if they're addicted to corruption, and they are, they are enslaved. If they've escaped from the slum of sin by experiencing our master and savior, Jesus Christ, and then slid back into the same old life again, they are worse than if they had never left. Better not to have started out on the straight road to God than to start out and then turn back, repudiating the experience and the holy command. They proved the point of the Proverbs. A dog returns to his own vomit, and a scrubbed-up pig heads for the mud. All right. So here is the Apostle Peter really getting ready to talk about what false teachers um, 
impact are because of the lies that they share. And I think that this is very important because uh, in today's culture, we see false teachers galore, okay? We see false teachers galore. So Peter wants us to understand that, that, that the false teachers basically talk a whole lot, but their words are so empty. In fact, they're very bombastic, very uh, egotistical, very um, uh, boastful, rather bombastic, okay? Um, and, 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 and they have basically no power, no essence. Um, these false teachers appeal to newcomers in the faith because they will have them to think that they really got it going on when in actuality they don't. So let's, let's, look, at, let's look at this. But when they speak of great swelling words of emptiness, that's the bombastic, uh, boastful words. Um, they have no substance. They have no truth. They're empty. They speak loudly, but they're empty. They uh, engage in tickling the ears, but they are empty. They have no power. I want to get this to you. They have no power. False teachers appeal to the flesh. Let me say that again. False teachers appeal to the flesh, and they themselves are very fleshly, very carnal. All right. They, they entice people who are coming out of the lifestyle of the flesh to go back. All right. This is what false teachers do. They live in complete disregard for the commandments of God. And, and what happens is that most of the time they tend to draw baby Christians or new Christians away from the ways of Jesus Christ to follow them. So, so here's, here's what happens with these false teachers. They kind of plant themselves among the congregation. And then they start dropping these little false seeds that newbies tend to pick up on and go with the flow. And, and, and that is very painful. And, and this is the, the heresy or the apostasy, and those aren't nothing but big words that basically refer to false teaching. Um, this is the heresy of, of these false teachers. They are so caught up in sounding good, tickling the ear, trying to make people feel good, but unfortunately, they aren't any good. This is why, this is why I take not only preaching, but also teaching so seriously because ultimately, God holds me as pastor accountable for whatever I teach or preach when I stand in that particular position. 
And so I want to make sure that I'm on point with sharing with you as far as the word of God and doing my bidding best by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit to live what I teach. Because these false teachers didn't care anything about the commandments of God. Here here is is the the, the crux of, of the matter that really drives this thing home. These false teachers basically, in practice, perpetuated a salvation that's only futuristic. (laughs) Not in the here and now. I'm I'm going somewhere with this. They perpetuated a salvation that's only futuristic, which allowed for people to indulge in whatever sinful desire and passion here on earth without punishment. that's, That's basically the bottom line of their message. All right. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you understand what it means to be saved by the blood of the Lamb, you realize three things. You have been saved. You are being saved. You will be saved. All right. Let me say it again. You have been saved. You are being saved. You will be saved, which means that salvation, once you say yes to God, goes back into your past, hits you in the here and now, and keeps you for the future. Oh, I'm getting ready to do some good teaching here. So, So salvation is not only for your future, but what salvation does is it allows for you to be good in the here and now. It gives you the power to live for Christ in the here and now by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. So so these false teachers focus on those who were just escaping from those who lived in area. That is, these, these, these new converts who still were trying to figure out what it means to live for Jesus. They weren't firmly rooted. They, 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 they weren't completely grounded yet. These are newbies. Uh, they, they weren't free from the, the, the pagan associations and, and habits. Um, uh, these, these young believers took the words of these false teachers because they sounded good. And remember, Jesus said when he was talking about little ones uh, being offended, Jesus said it is better uh, for a millstone to be hung around your neck and thrown into the sea than to mess with one of the little ones. He was talking about children at that time, but let me, if I could, take it to a spiritual level and help you to understand that it is better for a millstone or a big boulder to be hung around false teachers' neck and them thrown into the sea than for them to mislead little ones or newbies as far as the faith is concerned. What, what are these false teachers focused on? What, what, what are they focused on? Um, these false teachers basically were teaching that Jesus Christ was not the Son of God or that Jesus Christ was not fully human. 
or that you can do whatever you want to and be good with God. Okay? We got to beware of teaching that mixes the culture and Christianity. In other words, we got to be careful of cultural Christianity because there are some distinctions, y'all, between what a follower of Jesus Christ should do and what the world should do. That the, the, the world ought to be able to look at us, hear us, see us, and know that there's something different about us. Okay? That, that's what they ought to be able to, to, to tell, that there's something unique, that there's something distinct, that there's something, what, different about us. Now, guess what the, the, the culture will say? You can't judge me. Am I right? Ain't, ain't that what we even say in the church? You can't judge me. Uh, 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 everybody sin and falls short of the glory of God. Isn't that not what we say? However, and, and let me drop this on you for free. While we are not sinless, S-I-N-L-E-S-S, when you're saved, you ought to be sinning less. We as teachers and preachers of this word are held to a, to a standard. That's why we can't do everything that everybody else do. And as a follower of Jesus Christ, you can't do everything that everybody else do. I, now I know. God knows I know. We live in a time where it seems like everything goes. But, but folks ought to be able to hear you, see you, and discern that there is something unique, something different about you, especially when you are a follower of Jesus Christ. You, you, you can't do everything that the culture does. I'm just trying to do some good teaching right now. You can't do everything that the culture does. Notice what these teachers do. They promise freedom. <laughs> they, they promise freedom. They promise freedom. They promise liberty, but they're slaves. Okay? That is like a morbidly obese person selling diet books. That is like a drug addict um, selling books on how to get off drugs. That is like an alcoholic selling books on how to avoid alcoholism. Promise of freedom, but yet they are enslaved to those very things. The false teachers promised freedom, but they were slaves to their own immorality. They, they promised freedom, but they were slaves to addictions. Uh, they, 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 they promised freedom, but they were slaves to perversion. Here, here, is, here is what I want to drill home. Um, 
whom the son really sets free is free indeed. They, they begin to taste the freedom that Jesus brings, but they perverted it by neglecting the rules of love that Jesus tells them to abide by. <laughs> Watch this. They, 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 they discard it in the name of freedom only to find themselves enslaved. Why? Because people are slaves to whatever controls them. Ooh. And I'm not talking about just chattel prop uh, ownership. I'm not talking about you being a slave to some man or woman. I'm not talking about the, the, only the type of slavery that our ancestors uh, endured in America or the type of slavery that was taking place during the days of Peter. I, I am talking about the fact that anything that controls your idea, your personhood, uh, your character, you are a slave to it. Now, this is what I really want to drive home because too many of us are under the false perception that if we're free in Christ, we can do whatever we want to. Okay? The Apostle Paul says, shall we sin that grace be abound? Or shall we sin knowing that God's going to give us grace so that the more we sin, the more grace we get? No, it doesn't work like that. And freedom in Christ doesn't mean you can do anything you want to do. I'm getting ready to really drop the bomb on us right now. The freedom Christ brings is freedom from sin, not freedom to sin. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Freedom from sin, not freedom to sin. It is freedom from sin, not freedom to do whatever you feel like you want to do. And we live in a culture now that says live your own truth. Do we not hear that? <laughs> live your own truth. Do you, boo. Be whatever you feel like being. And too often, freedom from rules and structure and obedience leads to an addiction or preoccupation with new pleasures that freedom offer that has nothing to do with God. Nothing to do with God. When you refuse to obey God, your only option is to follow your own sinful desire. And you become enslaved to whatever your body wants to do, whatever the flesh wants to do. Only in Christ can we have true deliverance. That's why it's a struggle dealing with this flesh. It's a struggle dealing with our carnal desires. Because only in Christ can you have true freedom. When you submit your life to Jesus, he sets you free from slavery of sin. All right? Now think about it. This is what Satan promised Adam and Eve in the garden. Satan used the fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil 
to promise Adam and Eve something that he knew could not be delivered and that God told them not to do. All right? So, when you are following Christ, being a disciple, there are some things you will struggle with in this life. Uh, all of us have some things that we struggle with. But in the midst of the struggle, just because at times you can't overcome it doesn't mean you just automatically succumb to it. When, when you fall short, you need to get forgiveness from God and you need to get back on that horse and try it again. Because guess what? You cannot escape the desires of the flesh on your willpower. That takes Holy Ghost power. All right? You can't. Ah, oh, let, 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 me, let, me, let me press forward as far as verse 20 is concerned because this is really where uh, the rubber meets the road. Because in verse 20, Peter says, for if after they escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter is worse for them than the beginning. Now, who is this they that we're talking about here? Who is this they? Biblical scholars think that it could either be the false teachers or it could be the new believers or the unstable believers who are taking in this false teaching. All right? Now, in my reading of it, I really think that it refers to the false teachers, but it does not leave the new believers out who fall prey to the false teaching. Okay? All right? Now, I, I, I want to be very intentional how, how, how I unpack this. Because both groups are available to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, which brings about life and freedom. All right? But when that knowledge is rejected, Um, the result is even worse. And Peter is saying that the severity of punishment is even worse. And said it would have been better for them to have remained ignorant than to have never been exposed to the gospel. All right? The main emphasis, though, my brothers and sisters, is on these false teachers because their lies lead to the newbies or the new Christians going astray. And this is why teachers are going to be held to a higher standard. Now, this is, this is where the rubber meets the road because you got to have orthodoxy 
which is right belief or right doctrine, and orthopraxy, which is right living or right behavior. So right teaching and right living goes hand in hand. All right? Peter wants us to understand that they had identified, these false teachers had identified themselves as true believers who had been saved. And yet they turn from the gospel and become entangled in a corrupt and immoral living alienated from God. In other words, these false teachers learned about Jesus, learned the language of the church, learned what it meant to be saved, but they rejected it and went back to sin. And then they wind up endangering new believers to join them in their heresy or their false teacher. Peter said, it would have been better that you would have not been exposed to the gospel. It would have been better that you would not have said yes to Jesus Christ. It would have been better that you not know what it means to be saved. Then, to know what it means to be saved and still say no. Now, now, this is where Peter really drives home the point. Peter saying ignorance of the word of God and ignorance of the gospel is a lot better than apostasy. Now, uh, A-P-O-S-T-A-S-Y. Now, what is apostasy, Pastor? What 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 does what what does that that mean? What 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 is apostasy? Basically, apostasy is false teaching. Okay. Um. Uh, and it is to abandon your religious belief. It, it is to believe in God and then say, eh, forget it. I don't believe that anymore. It, it is to experience the grace of God and then say, eh, forget that. that that's what apostasy is. And, 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 and it's that apostasy that really gets us in trouble as far as the culture is concerned. Because guess what? Haven't you noticed there's a whole lot of people who are drifting away from the church under the guise of, well, you know, I've learned better, so now I do better. And that's apostasy. There are people who have turned their back on the church, on the teachings of the church, because they have erroneously believed what some of these other um, cults or religious identity groups are saying, or they have just turned their back on God. All right? Peter is saying, it's better for you to not have known who God is than to persist in lying to yourself 
and refusing God's help and forgiveness. That really becomes what the unforgivable sin is all about. And here's the issue with the false teachers. Not only do the false teachers get caught up in their own self-delusion, but they bring others with it. They teach it to others. And that's why they're going to be held even more liable. Most likely, those teachers have been part of Christian way, of Christianity, but they weren't really, here. watch what I'm getting ready to say, they weren't really born again. They weren't really born again. Because here's what I want you to understand. There's no such thing as being half saved or one-fourth saved. Either you're completely saved or you're not. All right? There are no degrees of salvation. It's like pass-fail. All right? These teachers, they looked like they were Christians, but they weren't really born again. They, 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 they sound like they were Christian, but they weren't really born again. Now, let me, if I could, uh, share, share a scripture with you, because I believe that Peter, not Peter, Paul, uh, brings this up. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified? Wow. Wow. Paul also writes in 2 Timothy 2, 18, 19, who have strayed concerning the truth, saying the resurrection is already past, and they overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stand, having this seal, the Lord knows those who are his, and everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. John basically says in John 1, 2, and 19, for they went out from us, but they were not of us. For they have been, for if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were us. In other words, John is saying they look like us, they sound like us, they act like us, but they ain't us. They're not really saved. Now watch this. That's a judgment call, you all. Believers who turn from the truth are in more danger than those who never knew the truth. It's an issue to see the light and go back to the darkness. It's an issue to know what grace looks like. And basically, I know I'm getting ready to offend somebody, but what I'm getting ready to say, it is, it's bad to know 
about salvation of God, the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, and give God the middle finger. The early church took apostasy very seriously. It's bad to get baptized and then go back to doing what you did before. It's bad to come down and join the church and then go back to what you used to do before. It's bad to experience the worship of God, see the move of God, the movement of the spirit, and still give God the middle finger. Basically tell God, eh, turning your back on God never to return. You're blaspheming the grace of God. Let me, let me, let me wrap this thing up with verse 22. Because basically, <laughs> this is what Peter says you look like. You look like a dog going back to his own vomit and a pig having been cleaned up going back to the mud. Now, it's interesting to note that for Jews, dogs and pigs were the lowest of all creatures. And and, and this is why Peter uses this illustration. A dog returning to its own vomit. Guess where that comes from? That's, that's in the Bible. Proverbs 26, 11. As a dog returns to his own vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. So basically, what Peter is saying is, like a dog returns to his own vomit, that when you turn your back on the Lord, basically, you are a fool. You are a fool. And then the second uh, proverb, uh, a sow or a pig that washes goes back to wallowing in the mud. Here's what Peter is trying to drive home. Peter is saying that when you turn your back on the gospel, when you turn your back on God, on Jesus, on the Holy Spirit, when you basically give God the middle finger, you're going back to what you have been delivered from. You're in a worse place. You're in a worse place. You're farther from the truth and you're deeper in spiritual filth than ever before. See, think about it. Dogs and pigs can be cleaned up, but they don't stay clean. Dogs somehow continue to allow for fleas to find it. And I grew up in the country. I know what it is to take a hose and wash a pig down and then watch that same pig go and trot back out into the mud, spinning around in the mud again. Here's what I want to drive home to us today. Those people who make an outward profession of religion 
without the Holy Spirit doing the inner work of change will soon go back to their old way of life. And I would dare say that in today's culture, believers would do well to heed Peter's warning against false teachers. How can we do that, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. Listen, read the Bible for yourself and, 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 and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you truth. And then you share that truth with others. See, the false teachers are going to wind up being destroyed. And those who follow false teachers will wind up being destroyed. But when you know who God is for yourself and you stay on that path. See, this is why Paul said the race is not given to the swift nor the strong, but to the one that endures to the end. Here's what I want to drop on you if you don't get anything else. Because, you know, we believe as Baptists in the principle of eternal security. Once saved, always saved. But pastor, right here is saying that people are exposed to the truth and to the gospel, and they turn back, they backslide. You want to know what that means? That means that they never were really saved. They had look, they had the look, they had the sound, but they really weren't saved. Because when you're truly saved, when you are truly saved, God would give you perseverance power, keeping power, staying power. Yeah. I close on this. In the writings of Hebrew chapter 3, uh, verse 12 and 13, the writer of Hebrews says this. Take care, brothers and sisters, that none of you have an evil, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But exhort, encourage one another every day as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. In other words, we as followers of Jesus Christ are called to encourage one another right now, today, this very moment, so that we don't get caught up in sin's deceit and in false teachers' deceit. So guess what? As believers, as disciples of Jesus Christ, that whenever we see a brother or sister kind of, eh, it is our duty as their brother and sister to say, now, you know better. And we got to get beyond using that adage, you can't judge me, because that's taken out of context. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you love God, guess what? There ought to be some clear markers, some clear signs. It's not judging. It's called correction. It's not judging. It's called disciplining. It, it is not judging. 
it is called encouraging. Amen. But listen, I hope and pray that, that today's lesson has been a blessing to you. Um, uh, we're going to be wrapping up Bible study for the summer over the next couple of weeks. We're going to focus on 2 Peter chapter 3. And um, uh, for next week, that's going to be talking about the return of Jesus Christ and uh, what that means and what that looks like. We're going to unpack that in a very meaningful way and uh, help you to understand how our lives should be made better because one day Jesus will return. When we don't know, how we don't know, but we do know that one day he's going to return. So I want to unpack that in a very meaningful way over the next two weeks, and then we're going to uh, be uh, on hiatus until September. I, I want to encourage those that are watching us right now and, and to let you know that even now you have the wonderful opportunity to partner with St. Paul Church as far as our work, word, witness, and worship are concerned through giving, through giving. St. Paul is doing a wonderful work as far as the community is concerned. And we're in the process of getting ready to come back into the church, come back into the sanctuary. We need your prayers as far as that's concerned. And, and I want to thank you all for continuing to, to give. Our physical year is up. It ended on yesterday. We're now in a new physical year. At the end of this month, we're going to have our annual church meeting to approve a new budget uh, to give you and let you know what we have done in the past year. Looking forward to sharing with that. But you have a wonderful opportunity to partner with us through giving. And so there are ways you can give here at St. Paul Church. The first way is by either dropping off your cash, check, or money order at the church at 1401 Allen Street. Charlotte 28205. Call the church and make sure that someone is there to receive your offering at 704-334-5309. Or you can mail your check or money order to the church at 1401 Allen Street, Charlotte 28205. Or you can give through our website, either through Church Life or ACS. Follow the giving prompts and you can give. Or you can give through the app called Givelify. And if you don't have that app on your smart device, download that app to your smart device, connect it to your favorite credit card, and in three clicks, you can give. So I want to thank you. I pray that today's lesson has been a blessing to you, and I pray that uh, you will continue to grow by what the Lord has allowed for us to deposit into your life. God bless you. Heaven smile upon you.